Harry Potter is a sorcerer, not a wizard. Like, straight up, he gets his magic at birth, he refines it at school, which is leveling up. Like, wizards learn their magic, they don't get their magic. Even, even though it's wizarding schools? Yes, it's still sorcerer. She's wrong on many things. What else is she wrong about? <laughs> We're not going there. <laughs> that would take too long. <laughs> It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I'm Megan, and today with me is Adam and James, and this episode is called Sorcerers, Magical Fantasies. You're welcome. <laughs> One of my favorites. We previously covered the Divine Soul, Draconic Bloodline, and Wild Magic subclasses in our first Sorcerer episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second Sorcerer episode, we went over the Shadow Magic and Storm Sorcery subclasses, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to consider arcane origins, bystander reactions, supernatural marks, and signs of sorcery. So if you have not listened to those episodes, please go ahead and do so. You can find these episodes as well as our other class episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps. Or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. This episode, though, is going to take us into the pages of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, where we're going to look at the subclasses written there, as well as the optional class features. But before we get started, let's officially welcome James. Hello, welcome James. Welcome James to Hello. the Guild House. They can't see you wave. It's an audio meeting. I can see you wave though. <laughs> <laughs> it has been months since we've spoken to you and most of our listeners never got a proper introduction. So why don't you give us a little breakdown of who you are and what your history with D&D and role-playing games has been. I know I've been playing D&D for about the last four years or so. My roommate's friend got us into it. She wanted to start a game and he invited me. So I really got into it, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the mechanics of the game. I spent a bit of time in the CGI industry, so I get some of my creativity and out-of-the-box thinking from there. Mm. But I'm also pretty big into role-playing games, so that's really gets me the whole world fantasy. Have you done DMing? I know you play more D&D than the average person now, uh, or you did pre-COVID anyway. You were playing multiple times a week. Do you DM? Have you DM'd a bunch? Not as of yet, no. No, but you are... You know the rules. I know it well enough to DM. Well, you were part of my evil campaign that yeah. I've talked about on the Ooh. podcast, right? Yeah. So, and One he played a sorcerer. Characters. Played a sorcerer. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Love that for you. Um, and it, he, he, Kynon was fantastic. He's one of my favorites from that campaign. It was a lot of fun. And James was conniving. But often I would have a question about how a spell works because I don't know. I'm, I'm DMing a million things. And what is the radius of a fireball? I don't fucking know off the top of my head. It's not my job. So I'd turn to James and he'd be like, oh, it's exactly this. And uh, <laughs> oh, okay, all right, it's good. James, James does his research. And I have to know not or to hurt my allies, depending on which ally and which campaign I'm in. You still fireball. It's okay. It's fine. You still fireball, but sometimes you just watch out for them or warn them first. And sometimes you Warnings? Don't. That's crazy. Depends if I like them or not. Oh. <laughs> well, how is traveling back from Graven Hollow Library in the Underdark? An eventful trip as always. I ran into a pack of Kuatoa worshipping a talking boot. Oh. I left it at that. <laughs> you just turned and walked away. That was, yeah, that was more than I needed. Wait, they were trying to figure out its soul? I would assume. Were they speaking in tongues? Stop it. You can end it now. All right. I've laced that's this way, conversation I was going to say, that's many. way too straight laced for this yeah. conversation. 
Um, well, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Happy to have you here. Um, so let's get into it. So we're talking about sorcerers today, obviously. I'm going to give a little bit of a recap here on um, sorcerers in general, just to kind of give the audience a bit of a recap, and then we'll kind of get into it. So sorcerers are obviously a charisma-based magic wielder. Yay. Woo! It's one of the many. Yeah. <laughs> But unlike wizards and warlocks who have to study to like or sell their souls for magics, uh, sorcerers gain their abilities either naturally through unknown arcane forces or through some deity or demonic force. These can sometimes give them a smaller amount of spells. However, a key factor of sorcerers are their sorcery points. So at second level, you get access to these points and you can spend to improve the spells you are casting um, through things called metamagics, or you can spend them to get extra spell slots for yourself using a feature called flexible casting. Uh, and just for everybody's knowledge, they do recharge on a long rest. Oh, it's a long rest. Everything's a long rest Everything's with long rest. Uh, sorcerers. Oof. It's yeah. the worst part about sorcerers. It's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. Yeah, especially because they don't get yeah. a lot. You don't get a lot, especially till later. You can't do a lot with what you get. Yeah. So at the very beginning, you're asking for a long rest almost every encounter because... You're burnt. Yeah, you're like, sorry, I need, to, I need to take a minute. And they'll be like, well, how long do you need? Approximately eight hours. Yeah, approximately eight hours. <laughs> uh, and to be clear, like, and break that down a little bit, um, at third level, you get your two, you get to select two metamagics of your choice, and eventually at levels 10 and 17, you get to add a couple more. So it is a long grind to be able to continue to improve your sorcerer. I've also noticed that, like, there's nothing happening except spell slots yeah. for a number of levels as you well. You don't get much as a sorcerer. Yeah. But what they do get is powerful. I mean, the power is the spells. Yes. And the metamagic. I mean, pick the right metamagic for your spells, but... Yes. And the campaign you're in and the setting you're in, that's another issue I have with metamagic overall. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. You digress. Is I what digress. You're well, before we get too much into the actual metamagics, um, I'm going to break down a couple of the new spells that you do get for sorcerers from Tasha's. To start off, we'll go with some of the cantrips. So you get Booming Blade, which basically is an, a weapon attack that makes a lot of noise if someone moves, gives them extra damage. Yeah, that's from Sword Coast Ventures Guide, too. It just got a reprint, I think. Yeah. A lot of these did. Yeah, a little bit of, more of a re- rehashing and reflushing, yeah. shall we say. Um, you do get the Green Flame Blade, uh, which is along the same lines. It's a basic weapon attack, but a Green Flame jumps out, giving an extra amount of fire damage equal to your spellcasting ability modifier. So... Which will be charisma. I mean, that's... Yeah. You can assume it's a plus three minimum. Yeah. Gives you a good weapon attack. Yeah. That's yeah. really what it is at the end of the day. When you run out of spell slots. Yeah, when like, you got your one dagger <laughs> and you got your two decks if you're lucky. So you want a little more oomph on that. Yeah. I mean, his cantrips are not that bad so far, in my mind. This is a little... Yeah, at least it's not minor illusion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it does stuff still, as opposed to, yeah, some of the other the classes. Blade Ward. Yeah. Um, another one is Lightning Lore, which is basically you lash a lightning energy bolt at a creature of your choice within 15 feet. Um, they do have to succeed on a strength saving throw. Otherwise, um, they can get pulled up to 10 feet in a straight line towards you uh, and then take, of course, lightning damage. So I like that. There's not too much that's immune to lightning. Yeah. So that can be... I was thinking about that the other day, that there really isn't a lot that is immune to lightning. There's a bunch of resistance stuff. But there's not a whole lot of immune. And it's a nice cheap command control spell for a sorcerer, particularly, to grab another caster and pull them over. Yeah. So the either the fighter or the barbarian can get in on the other. Pull them in guy. range of your fighter. Yeah. 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 You get Mind Sliver, which I I enjoy this one a lot, but basically you um, create a disorienting spike of psychic energy. 
and they have to a, succeed on an intelligence saving throw or take psychic damage. I'm always a fan of psychic damage. Yes. As a DM, there's just not enough of that. I, know. I really enjoy this spell too. It's a gr- I've used it in my other campaigns I've been in when it was still UA because some of my DMs let me use UA, which is nice. Those mad bastards. Oh, they are. Those beaches. And it's a great low-level, low-intelligence enemy cheap spell to throw out. Uh, Sword Burst is another one. You We're mean, getting a lot of the same flavor on these, eh? It is a lot of same flavor, except they're just different saving throws. So, like, Sword Burst is going to be Dexterity saving throw. Otherwise, you get a bunch of blades. Sweep mm-hmm. you out. Okay. Yeah. It's just giving more than Firebolt for sorcerers to throw when they're out of everything. Good. Which, as a, a main firecaster, most of my sorcerers are built to be firecasters because they just have so much more powerful spells. Well, that and you're a pyromaniac. So. Well, that's a different story <laughs> that we don't need to tell on the internet. <laughs> but it's nice to have other resistances to throw out at enemies. Yeah, a little bit something different. Because DMs get wise to your fire tax and you can't do anything with it eventually. <laughs> yeah, here, have some fiends, some, fuck some you. Some immunities yeah. for yeah. you, my yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about it. It's always a hurt. <laughs> Um, so that's all the cantrips that you get. Sure. Uh, so at first level, um, uh, we have an Acquisitions Incorporated one that was added, which is the distort value, which is basically you can distort. It's, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're distorting the value of an item. <laughs> sure. Uh, Acquisitions Incorporated is so niche. It's really flavorful, and I like it, and it's neat. I don't think people are taking this as a general rule, unless you're doing Dragon Heist. I could see it in Dragon Heist for sure. You know what? It would be better in a long run, more world economic oriented campaign. Mm. When you're set out as a party to revitalize this inn, revitalize this shop, bring this area back to prosperity. It's a great spell to trick the local lord that you're putting better gold out or something. It's just real hard to do because the economy in 5th edition is... Just well, that's bonkers. the nice part from what sense. I've heard yeah. about from Acquisitions yeah. Incorporated. It kind of solves some it of those does. major issues. It really does. So I, the spell would... I cannot say. It is the last book that I picked up, and I am so pleased with it. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm happy for you. The, thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> yeah, I want to play in a campaign where it's implemented, because I was interested in it when it was being talked about originally. Because your party can own a shop now. You can be your own guild as opposed to an adventuring party. It'd be interesting to have, like, just build an NPC that has this ability, if anything. That just creates a shop full of oh, valuably uh, looking items. Oh, yeah. as This is a fuck you to your players. Yeah. <laughs> Here's this beautiful sword for this. Hey, you guys Ooh. found a hundred gold. <laughs> it's a rock. You got a rock, my dude. <laughs> Um, and then from Tasha's at first level, you can get the Tasha's Caustic Brew, which is basically kind of how it sounds again. It's just a poison stream of 30 feet. Uh, and then it's just a deck save to not be covered in acid. I, I like that. There's not enough acid spells. So poison like, spray, but acid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of almost like a breath weapon because it's like a line of 30 feet. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're just spitting it. You're the you're the Dilophosaurus from Jurassic Park, just the chirping and then spitting I, that acid. I imagined it like because it's the caustic brew. I was thinking that it was just like a cup that was constantly full of acid that you just <laughs> splash in someone's face when you're mad at them. <laughs> I kind of thought it was like a Coke or Diet Coke bottle with a Mentos Ooh. in the cap. <laughs> so you take off the cap, the Mentos drops, and it shoots a stream of just acid. <laughs> and you don't have to hold a cup of acid everywhere you go. <laughs> 
What'd you drink in there? Nothing. <laughs> Do you want some? Yeah. Nothing. It's at not all. an evil campaign. Sorry. <laughs> Are you just all about evil campaigns right now? Is that <laughs> I'm in a currently good campaign. They don't know my character's lawful evil. Mm. My DM mm-hmm. knows. And he's down for it. So, yeah. Interesting. I love that. Uh, at second level, you get Tasha's Mind Whip, which is just a psychological whip. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're doing a bang-up job. Yeah, it's an intelligent saving throw. Uh, failed save, of course, is psychic damage. Um, intellect Fortress. You get a level three, his third level, which is basically you can choose a character within range uh, and give them resistance to psychic damage. As well as advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws. Okay. So you're, you, it's a buff spell. That it, I don't. Sorcerers do they have a lot of buff spells unless you choose? Not a lot. And even if you choose, you usually have to take feats to go into other classes. Yeah. Sorcerers aren't. A, they're glass cannons. Yeah. They're about putting out damage and not getting hit. Yeah, and good luck if they don't get hit. Yeah. Well, they have uh, shields. Not yeah. shield. Um, mage armor. Ma- ma- mage, mage armor. Mage yeah. armor. All right, and then at sixth level, you get Tasha's Otherworldly Guise, which is a very, very long explanation, but basically you can draw upon the magic of either the lower planes or the upper planes, kind of your choice, to kind of transform yourself, and you can kind of gain a couple of different benefits, such as you can be immune to fire and poison if you're in the lower planes, um, or radiant and necrotic damage if you're in the upper planes, you're immune to poison, uh, the poison condition if you're on the lower planes, or the charm condition in the upper planes. Spectral wings appear on your back. You yep. do you, okay. you do get a flying speed of 40. That's all right. That's pretty good. Right? That's pretty dope. Uh, you do have a plus two bonus to your AC, which buffing That's yourself. That's above not spiked yourself, yeah. Yeah. Um, all your weapon attacks are magical. Sure, why not? I mean, why the hell by not? that point, <laughs> what level is this? Um, oh, it's a six it's level a six spell. level. It's a six level spell, so you've got to be, what is that, seven or eight? Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm not sure that that's ever going to come up. No. Not at that point. Not at that point. You should have at least a magic dagger by that point. In 5e, at least, how most DMs throw magic items. Well, you're level, what, like 13? You had enough spell slots, you should not be relying well, on a yes, magic dagger in the first place. But you should still have one sure. that the rogue decided they didn't want with their 32. Yeah. 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 Oh, like, I just feel like it's like what a small additive to a very, very larger bucket of opportunities yeah. in the spell. Right? The spell itself with the flight speed, the AC boost, you throw magic armor in there. That's a pretty good, I'm running away from my life type of defense. Yeah. Because on top of that, you do get to attack twice. Yeah. Which is really cool. So it just makes you fighty. Yeah. It basically turns you into a fighter for a small period of time. Yeah. All right. Which I don't hate. A flying fighter. A flying, a flying fighter. Uh, there is the Dream of Blue Veil, which basically you can choose yourself or up to eight willing creatures to fall unconscious. And then basically experience visions of a different plane. They do list a couple of different planes that you can utilize. A blue curtain appears and uh, you mentally and physically are transported to that world that you envision. Shit. You transport there like permanently or for the 10 minutes? It does say mentally and physically. So you're there for 10 minutes mentally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, That's... It's a really quick plane shift. At what level? This is at seventh level. That's uh, all right. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good, like, the party's low and far, far-ish far away from each other in a big fight. Yeah. Step away for ten minutes, gather resources amongst yourselves, and drop back into... If you put that with catnap, too, so you can get in a yeah. short rest, that's all right. So the only catch is that you do have to have a magical item from the plane you are envisioning. 
Once again, by that level, you yeah. that you would be taking this spell, you'd be hunting for these you items. You would be going to your DM being like, hey, what kind of item can I find yeah. from an otherworldly plane, and what plane is that? You'd be searching yeah. for a few planes to prepare yourself, at least I would as a player. Yeah. Uh, and then at ninth level, you get Blade Disaster. Blade Disaster? <laughs> Blade Disaster. No, that's Blade Trinity. I've seen that movie. Uh. <laughs> well, this is the fireball level of blades. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you create a blade... Uh, <laughs> A three-foot-long blade, basically. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and the blade does last for the duration and acts um, basically like a melee. You can do up to two attacks with it, like two melee attacks with it. And it's not bad damage either. Um, on a hit, it's 4d12 force damage. Ooh, the force damage. Pretty good. Yeah, on a, crit- on a critical hit, to add to it, uh, it deals an extra 8d12. Oof. Damn. For a total of 12d12. That is... Ninth level. Ninth le- that ninth level slot is so special, though. Um, I'm not sure I would ever choose this. Can you choose different spells as a sorcerer? You can when you, when you level. When you level. Switch one, yeah. which is another downfall of the sorcerer. It locks you into your early decisions. So you kind of almost have to plan that this is what you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. You got to plan, well, especially when you know you're not going to make a campaign to level 18, 20. You plan your character differently. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You plan for the early power gains because you're not going to get your capstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not wrong, though. I, no. I, everybody just, you know, take a couple levels of Warlock and you'll be good. Most time you got to mix it up for a sorcerer to yeah. be extremely viable. Well, the other main benefit of it is that it can actually harmlessly pass through any barrier, including a wall of force. Oh, oh yeah. well, shit. So now that's... Toss that, that in there. Yeah, okay. and, um, <laughs> you buried the lead on that. That does change a little you bit. You should have fucking led with that. <laughs> any barrier. Any, yeah, so it harmlessly pass through any barrier, There's including no a wall of force. On that any barrier. And it doesn't even cut the barrier, too. It's harmlessly it passes passed through. through. Yeah. And the, most times spells that say it passes through a barrier gives you a certain distance into concrete or something. Well, how long is the blade? Three feet long. So you can go through three feet of concrete to attack something. So, so hold on, let me get... So, also, sorry, you have to keep in mind that this is also a celestial blade that moves. Yes. So you can move it up to 30 feet on your turn as a bonus so action. So you can move it straight through a whole fortress... Man, I'm assassinating action. people from yeah. the basement. I'm casting. Right? I'm, ca- a, I'm sending it upwards through I'm casting the. Casting invisibility on it and then sending it places. Oh, I'm just going to aim right up the pant leg. Just skewer them up through the you belly. Send invisibility. You can just swing it through a, like a royal crowd or something. What a great trap to set for yeah. someone. Yeah. Okay, that, that's far a, more viable than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, for whatever, where you're allowed to put spells into books with triggers. Oh, a conta- uh, contingency. I don't. I thought it was maybe contingency. I thought it was glyph of or that there are a number of glyphs. Contingency yeah. lets you back shit up too. Okay, so was that all of them? That's all of them. So okay. do you guys have a favorite? Well, I mean that last one. Obviously, <laughs> well, that's the highest level spell. So obviously, it's going to be one of the better ones. Honestly, I'm mind sliver. It's a great psychic low level damage. Mind yeah, so cool. At, at low level two, so you're gonna have the spell slots yeah. to use that. You always lost the ult cantrip, so you'll always have access to it. Also, could you mind playing a game that utilized a uh, sanity system mm-hmm. and just like, <laughs> and if you were just playing an evil sorcerer, just like swipping mind slivers into people's brains? This is the great fuck you damage to your DM when you're uh, throwing some high level spells like a fireball, and yep. then you just. Throw a mind sliver on with your meta magic. Yeah. And just hit it with four or five extra damage. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes your DM's happy you didn't kill it with the fireball. You just hit it with like two more. 
Uh, speaking of metamagic, we're going to go through some of the metamagics sure. that you can get. Um, what we should do is roll initiative. I'm going to give you guys um, a little bit of breakdown of a couple of them, and then I want your opinions on them. Sure. Yeah? Cool. Okay. Oh, I missed in the trade, well, Adam. I missed. You bumped me into a 20. You were 18 already. <laughs> so either way. All right. Um, so we'll go through um, the Seeking which is basically you can spend two sorcery points to reroll a d20 for a spell attack. You have to use a reroll. Uh, you must use a reroll. So the question is, would you allow this at your table? Why or why not? I would, because it's relatively useless. It's a waste of sorcery oh, points. Right? Yep. I would never let use your, it. Let your player burn it if they want it. Yeah. See, I have no problem if it wasn't wasting one of their four metamagic spots, right? If it's just sitting there to, you know, you use every once in a while, it's almost a lucky... Kind so of. there's so many other ways to re-roll dice. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. why this is even yeah. there. Um, and then another one would be transmuted. So spend a sorcery point to change one elemental damage type to another. Once again, depends on campaigning. Yeah. If you're in a campaign that's either you're playing a long campaign and you're a fire caster or you're very focused on watering your DM puts resistances or um, immunities in your way, mm-hmm. then 100% it's a great uh, meta magic to take. But I wouldn't start your game with it. It wouldn't be the first two I talk. No? No. No, I'm going to want it later levels because the spells I'm picking early, I'm going to choose. Because you can only change one a level, right? Anytime that you level. The ones that you pick early while you're busy fighting bullywugs are not what you're going to need on the plane of fire, right? Which you're getting into in tier three. That is where you're like, okay... I need to be able to just choose to do Force or Psychic or I don't know why you would pick anything else. Those two will do, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you turn a Fireball into Psychic Damage. Right? Yeah, like that's, that that's would cool, be. That's cool though. Yeah. Like I love that. It's a late, later level. I wouldn't take it as my, what, 17 is the fourth meta magic? 17, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't take it at that point. No. You should have had it by It should now, be the third. It should be the third choice. Yeah, depending on the campaign, like you said. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it for a. A one shot. No. I'm not going to, because I know what I'm in for, I'm just going to pick the right spells. Yeah. And I'm not going to take it for um, for one of the shorter modules, like uh, Tomb of Horrors or Water one of the ones. Well, Slim no. Five. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't take it early levels. But no, even the ones that are like the later ones in Ghost of Salt Marsh or Candle Keep, there's not enough variety. Yeah. Like it's your one setting that you're doing your stuff in. Yeah. So pick your spells better. But when you're stuck with it for a while. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth holding on to. I just felt as like a new book coming out with a, some new metamagics. It just felt like they were very lackluster. <sighs> the metamagics are fine the way they are. I don't even think they need new ones. Yeah. Like we got what we got and it's it's fine. It's good enough. Yeah, changes to that system would be better than more metamagics. Yeah. Ways to recover it during a short rest. Yes. Whether it's a third the number you use, mm-hmm. your source or roll a dice. These, or roll to a regen. dice. Just something to give you, because almost every other class, every other class has something they return from a short rest, as far as I can remember, except for sorcerers and maybe warlocks. I don't remember. No, I think warlocks get their something back at a short rest, too. Oh, I couldn't tell you. I've never played a warlock, so I couldn't tell you either. Me either. I've never played a player character, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, sweet baby angel. (laughs) Did you want to talk about it? Did you want to take a minute? (laughs) Take a beat? (laughs) All right, so we're going to move on to uh, the new uh, sorcerer's versatility. I don't know why I thought I said sorcerer's wrong. No, you said sorcerer's correctly. It's just an awkward word. Sorcerer's. Sorcerer's. Sorcerer's, but 
versatility. <laughs> so whenever you get an ability score improvement, you can actually also swap out one of your cantrips or swap a metamagic. Amazing. Yeah, that is phenomenal. There's no reason why I would say no to that. I, yeah, in my mind, I'm like, did it even have to be written? Like, I feel like it's it almost like a... should have been ad rules as written. It should yeah. have been the original book. Yeah, because I feel like every other most magic characters get the ability to adjust and adapt their spells as they go. Every, clerics, every morning they can change their spells. It's it's a thematic thing, though. Yeah. The way that the sources are written are like, you have this innate power inside of you. You can't mm. really control it. Mm. Therefore, once it manifests, this is what you get. So yeah. I understand it, but this makes it more viable as a player to have more fun. Because, I mean, you didn't really get to see it, but when I had Jamie playing as a, he was a sorcerer slash barbarian, which is an old, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> but, but he was, he wanted to play a barbarian, but we was stuck in Curse of Strahd where he couldn't do full damage because yeah. everything was resistant to non-magical weapons. So we started to take levels in sorcerer okay. and then yeah, he got stuck there for, for like six levels. So yeah. he just kept taking sorcerer, but then he got bored of the flavor of it. And he wanted to do new things. This would let him do new yeah. things. So I'm a fan of that. That's great. Yeah. Um, and then the last little piece here is talking about the magical guidance. So basically at fifth level, you get the ability to spend sorcery points to kind of re-roll your ability checks. But you and taking the second result. Ability checks, huh? Well, sorcerers are so damn weak on ability checks in the first place. I don't find that super. How Okay, how often can you do it? It just says at fifth. Oh, you can you can spend sorcery points and it actually yeah, don't how many it is. Okay, yeah, well, it's it, a cost. It, yeah, then it's fine. Which it's using up your finite your resources, sorcery points. which yeah. you need. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. The sorcery points are too limited, so yeah, I'm a, I'm into that. Uh, yeah, I, I think we talk about the customizability of a sorcerer and having to be able to make those adjustments. Yeah. I think they added that in there to give characters that out. Yeah, like that's that's how that reads to me. But yeah, cool. Any feelings on any of those pieces? I really like the one where you can change your meta magic at a level. Yeah. It makes sense. You like I get you get your magic and you get what you get at the beginning. It makes perfect sense there, but later levels, you I, learn to refine your magic. I feel like it's like focusing through a different lens within yourself on how to yeah, use exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the magic coming out of your pinky finger, you're moving it to your ring because you can now feel the flow of magic. I'm glad you said ring finger. I thought we were going in a very <laughs> different direction. Stop. Dan and Dave are here. It's okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Would Dave go there? Oh, Dave lives there. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult to get him away from it. Nobody can see the look on his face when we record the podcast. And someone says something about, oh God, anything like a belt. And Dave will just raise an eyebrow and sit back and look very smug. Mm. He just, he knows what the funny thing is. And he knows that you know. Nobody hears the amount of editing that we have to do when Dan and Dave are in the room together. Because Dave will just look at Dan and Dan will giggle. Oh my god. And then I gotta cut that shit out. That hits the editor, the editing floor. So No, Dave but. lives in a, a bubble of safety in my world. <laughs> oh yeah? <laughs> Maybe keep him from you. <laughs> he shot you in the face. He did shoot you in the face. In <laughs> I love that for him. Hate that for me. Hello, podcast people. Podcast people? We're recording. Yes, but it makes them sound like pod... We're recording. You're recording. Fuck. Hello, podcast people. We've got a couple of things going on that you might not know about, and so we thought we'd cut away to a little reminder. First of all, we just want to point everyone to our YouTube channel again. We appreciate that all of you listen on your respective favorite podcast apps, but the It's a Mimic YouTube page has all of our shows laid out in playlists. 
That means you can listen to our Dragon episodes back to back or dig through the Campaign Builder or touring the Multiverse series without scrolling through the backlog or having to use a search function. New episodes get uploaded within a week of airing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, but the whole backlog is up there. Even the episodes we're embarrassed about. Yeah, fuck, those early cold opens were sloppy. Yeah. And delicious. The other thing we want to hey, mention... Dan, it, what? You, you know what else is sloppy but delicious? Whatever you're going to say next is just going to get cut, so... Well, look. The other thing we want to mention is our sneaky little store that lives an unassuming little life on our website. There are stickers, magnets, phone cases, notebooks... Cups, water bottles, coffee mugs, and travel wait, mugs. Wait, wait, I could have a mug? I'm tired of your ugly mug already, man. I want a mug. We even have masks in a variety of sizes because we're socially conscious people. The current designs are for the It's a Mimic Mike and the Deep Dark Irradiance logo, but we'll be updating the store as time goes on. How big are the mugs? I don't know. There's a standard one and a tall one. And a travel mug too. Jesus, I need to look at this website more often. So, please take a second to check out what we have to offer. We really appreciate the donations we've received through the website, but we want to make sure that you guys have the option of getting something for your hard-earned money. Every little bit helps keep the lights on and the side projects rolling, and we love you for your support. So thank you to everyone out there who visits www.itsamimic.com and checks out our online store there. <laughs> hey, there's even a little pin with a logo on it. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel for perusing the older episodes. Now, without any further delay, let's head back to the show. Jesus, there are three different kinds of stickers, Dan. We are capitalist whores. Will you please take these damn commercials seriously? No. All right, so we are going to go through a couple of the subclasses that we do get in Tashes. Um, James and Adam, can I get you to roll and we'll get see who gets to go first. That is the second two that I have rolled. James, you're up. Nice, I beat you with my six. Yeah, yeah, what a great, what a great roll. Yeah, great things for me, great things for Hold me. Hold on, which metamagic lets me re-roll shit? Was that? You what? can't take that, you're not a sorcerer. Yeah. <sighs> you're not a wizard, Harry, you're a sorcerer. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing the Clockwork Soul, and from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the quote is... I rarely tell people I speak Modron because inevitably they want, just want to learn how to curse. So let's get this out of the way. Lesson one, beep boop and other slams. <laughs> slams. So with the Clockwork Soul Sorcerer, at certain levels, you receive additional spells that don't count against your spell total no one, which for me, it's a great source of additional sorcery points, whether the spells are good or not. So at first level, you get Alarm and Protection from Good and Evil. Third is Aid and Lesser Restoration. Fifth is Dispel Magic and Protection from Energy. Seventh is Freedom of Movement and Summon Construct. And in ninth level, you get Greater Restoration and Wall of Force. Mm. Do those thematically fit the Clockwork Soul, in your opinion? Uh, for the most part, the Restorations personally don't, if it's Clockwork. It seems like something that would be more for constructs as opposed to living beings to be restored. Mm -hmm. Is it is it about returning someone back to the natural order of things? Is it the order side of it, maybe? I'm trying to think about Yeah, it's the order and mechanisms <laughs> of it. So yeah. Yeah. I think either way, it does make sense because you restore old clocks and old machinery. But I feel like Greater Restoration in the sense of D&D &D is more of a, I'm healing my downed character, my downed friend. So that's, in my opinion, against the way of order in the clock. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Hmm. Okay. 
Uh, one interesting thing about it, they list ways that your magic more or less manifests itself. They give you a list of six items. So one of them is a special cog wheel hovers behind you. The hands of the clock spin in your eye. Your skin glows with a brassy sheen. Uh, floating equations of geometry and geometric objects overlay across your body. Uh, your spell casting focus temporarily takes the form of a tiny clockwork mechanism, which is really cool yeah. visually. And the ticking of gears or ringing of a clock can be heard by you and those affected by your magic. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, it's very flavorful. More than some of like, uh, I know with Shadow Sorcerer, you got a bunch of flavorful things like this. But I think it's some of the most of Sorcerers with these two. I really want Dissonant Whispers for this guy just so that I can, every time I cast a spell, every time I would cast it on someone, they would hear the beginning of the Pink Floyd song, Time, which is just all <laughs> of the, the, sound the cacophony of shit. Yeah. 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 So starting at first level, you get the ability called Restoring Balance. And it allows you to get rid of an advantage or a disadvantage you see within 60 feet of you, a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier, and you regain it all once again after a long rest. Because sorcerers are all about that long rest. Yeah. Absolutely. That eight hour, that, that eight, solid that, eight well, hours. Solid six with two hours of dicking around. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> The next thing that they come across at level six is called Bastion of Law. So as an action, you can spend one to five sorcery points to cast a ward on yourself or anyone within 30 feet of you. And these wards last for a long rest or until you cast this ability again. The ward is there to protect yourself from 1d8 damage for every ward you have in place. So if you get attacked by, let's say, a barbarian, you can choose to spend three of your wards, and you have 3d8 reduction in that damage. How many wards do you get? You can get up to five. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, so up to 5d8 reduction, which is... And at what level do you get this ability? Level six. Jesus, that's going to that's gonna be powerful enough. It'll be yeah. less powerful over time, but mm. also you are going to get into fewer encounters Yeah, and it's in based off levels, your sorcery so. points too, which is nice. So yeah. you can burn some of your more unused spell slots if you need to, to put it on. Nice. Or yeah. pass it to an ally, which is really nice. Oh, you can do that to too. Be you. It can oh. be anyone within 30 feet of you that you huh. deem it needs it. But you are a sorcerer. You have fewer hit points than anybody else. It's more else. than likely you or another or, magic caster. Or the, the wizard, yeah. Yeah, your yeah. squishies, yeah. You're keeping it to a squishy unless the barbarian's across a chasm so no one can get to him and you can use your extended spell to get this off. Sure, yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. you just let him die. Come well, on. <laughs> you gotta pretend. Be like, oh, you're out of reach. Uh, he's a zealot. He'll be back up on his feet yeah, in 20 minutes. Fine. It's all right. So the next thing you come across is Trance of Order. So at the 14th level, you can connect your conscious mind to the endless calculation of the Mechanus. It costs one bonus action and lasts for one minute. All attacks against you cannot have advantage. Your attacks, checks, and saving throws, if you roll lower than a 9 on dice face, it's an automatic 10. So you can't roll lower than a 9, and for the most part you have plus 1s or plus 2s. So yeah. you're doing pretty well. 
and you can use this once a day and it recharges on a long rest or with the spending of sorcery points. This is what I'm really liking about this class is you can spend sorcery points for more than just your spells. I, I'm going to get yeah. into that with the aberrant mind as well. Like we're starting to see some versatility yeah, that frankly really they should have nice had to see. from day one. Yeah. And then at 18th level for your capstone, the Clockwork Cavalcade. You can summon spirits that look like Modrons or other constructs of your choice. They are untouchable and unkillable. For the cost of an action, you summon them in 30-foot cubes surrounded around you. And they have effects. They take effects in that area until they disappear. So they can either restore 100 hit points divided to the creatures amongst the number in the cube that you choose. Yikes. Any damaged object that enters this cube is repaired instantly. Every spell of 6th level or lower ends on creatures or objects of your choice in the cube. And you can use this action once a day. You can't use it again until you finish a long rest. Or once again, spending 7 sorcery points this time. Okay. That's stupid powerful, but it's yes. 18th level. 18th and level. how many encounters a day are you doing at, at 18th yeah. level? This is amazing. Yeah. This is fantastic. It's a great capstone ability. Yeah. And it's one of the three. You have to choose between the abilities, so it's not all three. Oh, okay. At least by my yeah, understanding yeah, yeah. of it, yeah. it was one of the Each three. time you cast it, Each it's time a... you cast it, you can pick one of the three. Okay. But they're all super powerful. 100 hit points in a 30-foot cube. Most of your party's usually within 30 feet of you in a big battle. 100 hit points goes a long way. Healing a damaged item... That's the big one for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that would currently solve, but there's more times than I can count where something important has been broken. Yeah. And it's either the quest to fix that, or it's a downfall of fighting the big bad that now it's a harder fight because it's broken. Will it fix your dungeon master who has been broken by this point? He can't get in the cube, so no. Fuck. But that's, see, the broken dungeon master breaks their magical items, and then we just fix them. Yeah, right. we fix them, which breaks the dungeon master even more. <laughs> Incidentally, I looked it up. No, all three you take effect. All three All three, yeah. That's even better. And so then you, any, you can use all three of them in one. All three take effect in that 30-foot cube. Holy mother of God. So 100 hit points. And how long does it last? One fuck? hour. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I <laughs> Until you finish a long rest. Yeah. Oh no, you can't use it until You can't use it until long rest. So I think it just kinda activates Sorry, how big how big is the cube? Thirty foot. Centered on you. That's a yeah, so you feet in every direction. So if you want to get your 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 big your big fighters and stuff and that you do have to get close to the You do have to get close. Yeah, like the bonuses kind of outweigh the fact that yes, I'm gonna have to get somewhat close. Don't talk to me about hugs. No hugging. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool, eh? Uh, just some of the unique things I find about this class, as I've mentioned more than once now, is the different uses for sorcery points. Mm-hmm. It's really nice as a sorcerer to have that choice of, well, it's either I'm spending it on spell slots or I'm spending it on meta magic. Well, now I can choose, well, I want that ability I have. I want to use that again. Mm-hmm. As opposed to I just get it once a day, once every long rest. And then uh, with the extra spells you get each level... I think it came out to like six or eight of them, or more than that. So you're able to spend, take those spells and convert them to sorcery points. So you theoretically, with those spells alone, can convert your capstone. This ability. is the spells known? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't count to your spells known. You just get additional sorcery spells, which any sorcery spell you have can be converted to sorcery points. But is it a spell? It's not additional spell slots, right? No, additional spell. Yeah, no, sorry. No, yeah. yeah. 
Sorry, you're, you're correct. So it is just spells known. You have to convert spell slots. Yes. So it, but it makes you more versatile still. Gives right? you more things to do, which is another thing I was going to say. It gives sorcery, sorcerers more to do, which I noticed. Yeah, it gives which, a little bit more to their playbook. Yeah, and you're, you're not more just than thing. just a one-thing damage hitter. You can do a bit to help your allies. The removing of advantage and disadvantage for your allies is really beneficial. Yeah. Especially your fighters stuck in the center of something with three people around them getting advantage every hit. Well, you can get them out of one of those at least. Yeah. yeah. What a great support. Being able to be a support. <laughs> one thing with the flavor of this, it hits me to be very like anime-esque with the manifestations. They seem much more out there and in your face that I am powerful. Even with like the Shadow Sorcerer, your heart didn't beat or it beat once every minute. Which is more of a you thing. Mm -hmm. Your eyes are dark. You breathe fog. People only close to you will see that. But when you have a giant clock behind you every time you're casting magic, that's something. That's an anime splash screen. That's an anime splash screen. That's That's over the top. Absolutely. (laughs) And I'm all for it. Like, I'm 100% game to see that. Live for that. I live for that every day. (laughs) I should not have put you two on the same podcast. (laughs) I was like, what is anime? Yeah. I also think it's a really steampunky vibe with the clocks and cogs and yeah. all that. You said, you know, the spirits of Modrons. I guess Modrons have souls. They are considered creatures. Then yes, if they're creatures, they would have souls. That's how so, D&D works. Yeah, so plants and beasts have souls too because you yes. can speak with... Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Everything has a soul, I would assume, in not, the most part. Not animated objects. True. And not... Would sentient animated objects have souls though? Because they are now sentient and need to draw that sentience from somewhere. Uh, but does off. the sentient have the soul, though? Or yeah, is it just... Yeah, sentience the soul? Or Sorry. is it, like, a subconscious? Yeah. We're going to we're gonna cut to Dan waxing poetic. <laughs> the, um, th- these, are, these are good questions. So this is something I'm... Uh, God, I'm going down a rabbit hole later tonight. Oh, my God. Um, Advantage and disadvantage is a real help. The capstone ability is... Absolutely amazing. It's one of the better capstones I can think of. Mm-hmm. Besides Cleric's capstone of once a day you just can get whatever you want from your god. Cause... <laughs> Thanks, my dude. Thanks, man. dad. <laughs> That's it, awesome. Yeah, it gives Cleric's much more versatility. And for roleplay-wise, especially because Sorcerer's Magic kind of comes out of nowhere, it'd be a good place to start, at least, as like a lawyer or a judge or someone who's already involved in law and order and keeping things just. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a soldier and fighter because it would give you No, but there's a lot that. of law options that are available, both in Acquisitions Incorporated, because I think you get the plaintiff in there mm-hmm. as, a, as a background. But there's also a lot of good shit about the uh, guilds, or a couple of them, in uh, Ravnica. Yeah. So there's some options. So yeah, it would give you that. Or you could go in the exact opposite way of you're a former soldier who fled the battlefields. Now you're a deserter. Yep. And now you're always on the run. You have no order. You have no peace. You're always looking over your shoulder. Mm. And then this magic of order. You just just described a Warforged, by the way, which super fucking fits. Yeah, there'd be a great class. (laughs) Also very very anime. Um, I did have some questions to ask, but I felt like we kind of covered a lot of it sure. um, when it came to that. So, Adam, do you want to take it away with yours? Sure. Uh, mine was the Aberrant Mind. And Tasha says that tentacles, psychic powers, and beings from beyond the stars. One person's bad dream is another's good time. We're really doing anime today. 
Apparently. Love it. So, uh, so I just wanted to pull you guys tentacles. Bad dream or good time? I retract the question. So uh, we don't kink shame, remember? Right, yeah. we don't kink shame. <laughs> Stop trying to. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a whole nother level. Okay, so the source material says that aberrant mind sorcerers get their power from an alien influence, but we all know what that means. That means aberrations in D anD. d The psionic bullshit of aberrations is something that these sorcerers get to play with. From a flavor perspective, and I have to be honest, that psionics is not something I'm thrilled about as a DM. It is often the signifier of bloat and power creep in any edition of D&D, but in this case, it doesn't feel like an imbalance to the game. In fact, it adds more flavor and utility than combat options, and for the sorcerer, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Now, do you feel this because it's on the sorcerer that it's not bad? Because they're such a glass cannony class, no, they're no, no. already throwing a bunch down. No, it's the fact that these psionic powers are psionic in name only. In previous editions, psionics was its own rule set mm. on top of spells and other shit as well. Mm-hmm. So you would have psionic points to spend as well as uh, spell slots and mad- metamagic and sorcery points. Like It's a whole other fucking system which was out of control, and it's not now. They've just incorporated psychic spells and called it psionics. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's interesting to note that in the description of the subclass, the idea of using your powers for evil is mentioned, and that's not normally the case in most descriptions. You can see where the game's designers' heads were while they were writing this and the attitude that they have towards aberrations. In fact, they actually provide six examples of potential origins, and it's all over the fucking map. Two of them are whimsical enough, discussing childhood imaginary friends or sparkling lights, but four of them are from horrible traumas or madness, like eating your psychic twin in the womb, or having an abolith splinter your mind in your past. Okay, that's aggressive. Yeah. That's very aggressive. (laughs) This is clearly set up to be a subclass for an extreme kind of character. This subclass gets a spell list of psionic spells, but it's not like psionics in previous editions, like I mentioned. In other episodes, Dan and I have bitched at length about how psionics have added a level of unnecessary bloat to the game, but in this case, they're only psionic in name, not in actual mechanic. You get, at first level, Arms of Hadar, Dissonant Whispers, and Mind Sliver at first level, so you just get it. Love it. At third level, you get Calm Emotions and Detect Thoughts. At 5th level, you get Hunger of Hadar and Sending, which is amazing. I love Sending. At 7th level, it unlocks uh, Evard's Black Tentacles and Summon Aberration, which is a new spell in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. And at ninth level, you get access to Rory's Telepathic Bond and Telekinesis. Now, remember that when you get these, they don't count towards your limited selection of spells known, like with the Clockwork Soul. And whenever you level, you can substitute one of these spells from this list with any other spell of the same level, but it has to be from the Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard list of spells known, and it can only be from the Divination or Enchantment schools of magic. Mm. So they're really leaning into a flavor here. Yeah, you have to, like, it's, it's flavor contexted. Seems like uh, Warlocks for people who are tired of playing a Warlock. A little bit. There's something new, but the same. At first level, you also get a really useful ability that will help uh, with party cohesion whenever the rogue or monk sneak off to scout ahead, and the power is called telepathic speech. It lets you use a bonus action to make a mental connection 
with one creature that you can see within 30 feet of you. Assuming you two share a language, you can communicate for a number of minutes equal to your sorcerer level. But the best part is that they don't have to stay within 30 feet. As long as they're within a number of miles equal to your charisma modifier, you can maintain the psychic bond. Considering that you're a charisma caster, this should probably be three to five miles over the course of the campaign, and obviously this connection breaks if you become incapacitated, or you die, or you use the ability on somebody else. Sorry, what is that called? This is called telepathic speech. Interesting. Interesting. I highly suggest befriending a flying creature with the ability to speak the same language for, as you for scouting purposes, but this is also going to work on anyone who likes to teleport and split the party. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. This is a lot of fun and really flavorful for a first level ability, but I find that it's not at all game breaking. It's just communication, which is okay. As powerful as it is, it's going to take a very resourceful party to have this impact combat encounters in a meaningful way. At sixth level, you get psionic sorcery, which lets you cast the spells from your psionic spell list by using a number of sorcery points equal to the spell level instead of a spell slot. Another way to use sorcery points. Yep. Yeah. Also, when you cast a spell this way, you don't need the verbal or somatic components, and material components are only needed if the spell consumes the materials. This is a really neat way to exemplify the idea of mind over matter, where you seem to be casting spells through sheer force of mental fortitude. And again, because you can replace spells on the psionic spell list, this could be the most powerful boost if you are creative enough. Hmm. Also at 6th level, you get the ability called Psychic Defenses, which gives you resistance to psychic damage and advantage on saves against getting charmed or frightened, which is yeah. thematically we, we, solid. If yeah. it's... Yeah, and it will come up occasionally, especially if you're doing Out of the Abyss. Maybe. Right? There's, there's Mind Flayers around there. Um, then there's this insane 8-level gap before you get to your next subclass feature, which is just how sorcerers work. But at 14th level, you can warp your own body with an ability called Revelation in Flesh. <laughs> which okay. I think is the name of Terry's sex tape. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say it, but... <laughs> I think it's on Revelation in Flesh 4. Anyway, uh, you use a bonus action to psychically rearrange your physical body for 10 minutes. Ew. There are four different transformations you can do, and it costs one sorcery point to activate each. You can use as many or as few as you'd like each time you use this. The first change makes your eyes turn black or become writhing tentacles. This lets you see invisible creatures within 60 feet of you as long as they aren't behind total cover. It's kind of cool. It's pretty okay. Why is why why is this becoming the most anime? Oh, it totally is. Like just, the anime episode. Yeah, this is the anime episode for sure. Um, would that just have happened on any episode the two of you were on together? Is that what, <laughs> we have found a way? But we this might, one is like rolling <laughs> it's, into it. It's like writing itself. Yeah. we don't have to try. You're not even trying this one. Yeah. Um, the second transformation allows you to hover and even fly up to the same speed as your walking speed. Instead of wings, though, your skin shines with mucus or glows with an otherworldly light. Ew. Uh, <laughs> Ew, <gross>. David. <laughs> <laughs> the third transformation gives you a swimming speed equal to your walking speed and lets you breathe underwater by sprouting gills. You get to choose if they appear on your neck or behind your ears water world style. Good reference. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> additionally, you grow webs between your fingers and writhing cilia poke through your clothes and help you just kind of move with the water. Ew. 
I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much. The fourth and last transformation is another movement-based one. And no, it's not burrowing or climbing. It's weirder. You, as well as all your clothing and equipment, become pliable and covered in slime. You get to move through any opening as small as one inch in diameter without squeezing. And you can expend five feet of movement to slip non-magical restraints. Megan, you'll also appreciate that you can use five feet of movement to escape being grappled. Oh, phenomenal. But you have to be slimy to do it. This is level eight? This is level 14. Even then, a rogue mixed in with a sorcerer, having these abilities to... Get in and out of shit. everything. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and even a monk with all the walking speed stuff, yeah. and now you can swim or or fly swim, at that speed. Fly, yeah. fit through cracks in the wall that you punched five minutes Pun- earlier. Yeah, yeah, punch a hole in the wall. Punch a hole yeah. in the wall and follow through. Dunskies. And then, at 18th level, you get Warping Implosion, which is my favorite thing. This lets you teleport up to 120 feet away. You leave behind a small vacuum in space where you were, Because the moment you go, everyone within 30 feet of you, uh, where you used the ability and teleported out from, has to make a a strength save or get sucked as close as possible to the space you were. This causes 3d10 force damage or half as much on a success. Quite a bit. Yeah, it seems a little over the top for 30 feet, but it makes sense for any kind of teleportation. You're moving a pocket of air with you. Like yep. that, and usually as a sorcerer, you will be slightly further away from yeah. your peeps. So I feel like it you might be okay unless you're trying to exit a very small room. If you've done the other thing where you're flying, you can hover on the side of a cliff and then teleport away and suck everyone off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, successful saves also keep the creatures from being pulled, and you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. Except, and I like this, if you recharge it using only five sorcery points. So you should have enough to do that. I feel like this is a unique subclass that appropriately uses sorcery points and is appropriately front-loaded to entice players to multi-class into it. It doesn't feel too powerful, which is good, because sorcerers should be finding most of their power in their spells and their matter magic, right? All of this is Mm movement-based, right? Uh, Until you reach Tier 4, each one of the subclass features focuses on role-playing opportunities, exploration, or defense. And the expanded spell list keeps the emphasis on casting. I also like that this psychic build doesn't immediately feel like a Jedi or Professor X. And it really could have if they wanted to. Yeah. It feels unique and interesting. And it isn't stepping on the toes of other classes, which is nice. A lot of these late game subclasses feel like they're hybrids with other classes or races. But Aberrant Mind Sorcerers actually feel unique. Being the communication hub for for the party feels on point, especially with the high charisma score. And the unique body warping abilities seem to be on point for constitution-based class. So it all kind of fits. Mm. I don't really have any complaints about this subclass at all. I never really get to be a player. So when the opportunity comes up, I tend to have to get the most bang for my buck. And Sorcerer has never really felt flavorful or powerful enough to be worth my time in one-shots. But now that we're in the late development stages of the edition, I'm starting to see a rebalancing, a reflavoring that are making this class as unique and interesting as some of the others. I still think that Paladin, Cleric, Bard, and Wizard all suffer from subclass similarity syndrome. Mm-hmm. Very much so. But I'm glad that we can finally remove Sorcerer from that list. Yeah, these two, including the Shadow for three, have all been a big change-up for the general Sorcerer. Yeah, yeah, when it was just Draconic Bloodline, you were just a generic mage. Yeah, And Wild Magic was... 
Herpaderp, go fuck Especially yourself. Especially older editions where wild magic was truly go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. This one is pretty light. It's true. Like, I have a DM that uses a 200 item list Ugh. for wild magic, and most of it's bad. <laughs> Punishment for using wild magic yes. for sure. Is it Dave? I feel like that's a wild Dave magic. thing. No, it's my friend Reese. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah. he wants you to be wild magic because he likes the party suffer. Oh, he likes the suffering. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, I'd love to roll some dice for this one because I feel like we have some feelings about some stuff and that was kind of like an information overload. So sure. roll a dice and I'll ask a question for us. I got a nine. I got a and 13. It didn't Not matter. 20. Must be nice. Um, so looking at this, this specific subclass... Do you think there are any potential oversights or power imbalances? I don't think it's any oversights or power imbalances. I think it's, as I said earlier, trying to allow other set casters. Because mm-hmm. I, oh, when I play, I generally play a sorcerer. That's the class I prefer to play. I know friends who prefer to play warlocks and friends who prefer to play ro- rogues. Yeah. And I feel like this is giving the warlock players another avenue for their edge boy life. Because... <laughs> yep. <laughs> it sounds very warlocky, but less soul giveaway and less dependent. Bit, less dependent. You're, you're not doing it on purpose. It's something that happened to you. Yes, yeah. there, there's there's built in trauma here, and that's why it it's like your way. dad was a warlock, and yeah. you were just born connected to that warlock's power. But you're not. You have your soul. You got all that shit. But yeah. You still have access to the power. For sure. That's kind of how I feel it. Yeah. I don't think there's any significant overpowering because I feel like all the stuff we were wearing wow, about was all the stuff you get kind of like at higher level anyways. Yeah. So like if you stuck with Sorcerer long enough to get those, like take it and run. It's most Sorcerer classes though too. Even yeah. Draconic Bloodline I'm pretty sure is a fairly decent capstone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I have seen about, uh, I'm talking about the online community. I've seen a lot of people complain that these Sorcerers and Tashes are overpowered compared to the other ones so why would you ever pick oh the older ones the older ones yeah um and that isn't actually power creep because power creep is when you have kind of a baseline that you know things are getting more and more powerful and are shifting the baseline sorcerers were relatively weak compared to a lot of other classes this just makes them more viable Mm -hmm. and that's not a bad thing this is this makes sorcerers relevant and I like that. It's imbalanced compared to other sorcerer subclasses. It's perfectly balanced for the rest of the classes. Yeah. Even using the variant rules for the old... Adding the variant rules to the old sorcerers, we're able to change your meta magic once a level. So expanding the spell list and using the variant rules for older sorcerers will make them nearly as viable as these so-called, as you said, online's voice, stronger sorcerers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think giving them the ability to, especially in longer campaigns, be able to front load your power with twin spell and quicken spell, but being able to later in the game be like, well, I don't need quicken anymore, or I don't need to twin everything anymore, but I would rather be able to avoid hitting my party or be or able to pick subtle up than, spell or, or subtle shred, spell, yeah. which... For me, I would love to take Subtle Spell, but it's not a good early game uh, device because 
really any fight you're going to get in that you need to use subtle spell, you're not strong enough. Mm -hmm. It's very, in my opinion, a mid to late game spell when you're arguing with the tradesman because you think he's lying to you. Yep. Subtle spell, zone of truth. Subtle spell, other types of stuff like and, that. And, and it's great when you have other meta magics, but when there's only two, yeah. you don't burn 50% of your meta you're magic. You're not giving it. it away for the one-time use you'll get in the next 10 levels. Yeah. So it would be nice to be able to say, hey, we're going to be spending a, almost a whole level in this city dealing with the economic side of this campaign. I'm going to pick up subtle spell just to have a little easier time controlling what's going on around me. Yeah. And then be able to ditch it next level. Yeet. Yeet. Do not need. <laughs> All right. I shall be less subtle moving forward. <laughs> uh, well, keeping the same initiative, what insights for role playing would you have for this kind of subclass? I would honestly talk to your uh, warlock friends. Mm. I would see how they take interacting with their god because you have a similar power source. So that's a question you could have your character follow into. You know of warlocks who are aberrant beings and celestial beings giving them power. Yeah. So why are you different when your power, to put it bluntly, like tastes the same? You mm -hmm. both taste like burnt pizza power as opposed to burnt, burnt salami for another class. Yeah, but the difference is the warlocks chose to eat it and the sorcerer added and, shoved down the But that's the whole yeah. way for that character to roleplay is why did I have this shoved down my throat? Was my dad a sorcerer? Was my great-grandpa or a warlock? Like, what's the case of why I have this power? Why am I different to someone who's very similar? I would love to, like, see someone lean into the fact that, like, because it's like shift changey almost and the yep. movement process. I would love to see someone go through, to your point, the fact that they were given this power. They didn't want it. Suddenly they're waking up with a different face or waking up um, as a pile of goo or something. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. just, I, uh, just every, experiencing Every time it. they wake up, their like bedroll is just wet. Yeah. It's just, just soggy. Just slimy. <laughs> Like, I swear to God, I wasn't dreaming about the bard. We constitute their body every morning. Yeah. Oh, I love it. What about you, Adam? Um, I would get real, real weird with this. Honestly, um, there's a reason why the pitcher in Tasha's is a tiefling. Because all of that trauma that hits lines up here. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a, when it comes to this, I'm going to look to Eberron for a, a Kalistar. They're all psychic as fuck. Yeah. And so that like lines up really nicely with kind of that build. So I'm going to play that distant weird i've got other weird shit going on in my mind um and calistar are literally possessed by aberrations that is their fucking deal mm. so it's on point for this so uh, i would i would go into that um luna lovegood is an aberrant mind sorcerer she, yeah she's it's not that she's she doesn't have all the cards in the deck. She's just playing with the with an Uno deck, right? And then <laughs> playing with a tarot deck with her Uno deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. reverse playing dice. Yeah, yeah. with dice. And, and that's what's going on here. So, so I would be just a little bit odd and off putting and just weirdly slimy. Hands are always wet, right? Just that kind of just just off. Moist. Just moist. Just moist. Just moist. Okay, I want to take a quick second to point out also that in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the subclasses for sorcerers both get additional spells that are added to your spells known. The subclasses from the Player's Handbook and Xanathar's Guide to Everything do not. This appears to be a design correction from Wizards of the Coast, but they haven't done it retroactively. 
So if you're interested in playing a sorcerer subclass from an earlier book, you don't have these options. So you need to talk to your DM about building a list of additional spells that fit either the flavor of your subclass or the theme of your character. And remember that subclass spell lists are rarely super powered, so don't go asking for fireball or counterspell. Think utility and flavor when you're talking to your DM. So if you have any questions for any of us, if you want to suggest anime for Adam to watch by himself late at night, please, please don't. Please uh, send us an email at info at It's a Mimic or contact us on Instagram, Facebook, or at Reddit at R It's a Mimic. I thought there was going to be more. You said, eh? No, I had nothing. On. I got nothing. No, please, please do not send me anime freaking suggestions. Please send out anime suggestions. Anime clips work as well. Gifts. But, but Gifts. please, yeah. please make sure that they're wearing clothes. All the things that Dan send me, they're all naked in them. That doesn't They don't have to be human, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about tentacles all night. Just go crazy. <laughs> all right, guys, let's roll some initiative. And I would love to hear some of your creative builds for some sorcerers. Okie dokie. How about... And roll high. Oh, I got all three. Oh, James, you rolled so low. I'm going first. (laughs) (laughs) All right, when it comes to uh, what race to use, ignoring Ravenloft free-for-all, all all of them just get you build it however you want, which is kind of the direction we're going. There are only two obvious charisma plus two, constitution plus one options for a sorcerer. Yeah. Scourge, Asimar, and the Verdon. From Acquisitions Incorporated, which is just a super goblin that's kind of magic-y. Mm. And of course you can get there with the Levistus Tiefling, as well as the Changeling or any half-elf variant you want to give the con bonus to. But I like, for an aberrant mind, the Simic Hybrid from Ravnica. Okay. It gets the plus two to Constitution and the plus one to anything else, which is almost as good as the others. But there's so many other weird physical traits that they get. Are you familiar with them, Megan? No. The Simic Hybrid are um, essentially mages that are experimenting on their own bodies to replace body parts with body parts of aquatic creatures. Oh. So you can get... I see where you're going with this. You can get a crab claw instead of your hand or um, tentacles instead of a leg. You get swim speeds. Like There's all sorts of weird shit that you yeah, get. Yeah, picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I think that this would be absolutely fantastic with the Revelation in Flesh ability that kicks in at level 14. Mm-hmm. And you can magically warp your body even further because they're mostly aquatic themed. So, I'd tie an Abolith into their backstory somehow. And that's how they got their psionic abilities. Maybe by being in close proximity to one. It was a mind controlled by the Abolith during puberty. Yeah. And then when the Abolith died or left, their mind fractured as an adult. And here they are with this aberrant mind power. Mm-hmm. As for the background, I went looking for something that could give me insight and persuasion so I could get the most from my psychic tendencies. I can get in people's heads and be like, are they lying or you should do this? Yeah. Because um, that's that's where I find the most fun. Um, and I didn't think the merchant fit very well with what I was looking for. So instead, I landed on the Urban Bounty Hunter from Sword Coast Adventures Guide. And that got me thinking about, and here's a character that I think Megan will play. Okay. Tell me about it. Despite the slime. And the tentacles. And the cilia. And there's so much here. There's a lot that I don't like, so I'm waiting to hear what I would like. Okay, this got me thinking about a budding young vigilante who protects the docks of a port town using her psychic abilities and bizarre aquatic nature to track down smugglers and pirates. Dope. She'd sleep in the day, relying on her dark vision at night, 
and keep the true nature of her powers and deformities from the public. She's chaotic good, and she's willing to break some minor laws if it means keeping the town and the inhabitants within safe. And she does it all psychically from a distance, getting in people's heads like, you don't want to do that. You had me at psychically at a distance. <laughs> yeah. And remember, there's an auto don't hug me factor. Absolutely. At level 14. So. Yeah. Well, I feel that. I mean, to be fair. Um, to be fair. To be fair. I love it. And to like to think, like I feel like I should have picked to do a build for this because there's a lot of it that I do love. And I love this character that you've built for me. Can you please write it down and send it to me on... Um... <laughs> oh, is this going to be for the new campaign? <laughs> you go ahead and play this. Well, that's what we need to add to our fucking furry convention that's going on. Oh, my Atlanta. It's a great time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I believe I am next. Yes. And um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick... I went with um, the clock one to build the character with. And I've been trying to build a kobold that I enjoy. Oh, and... <laughs> James has no tolerance for kobolds. <laughs> oh, see, I love my kobolds. But I've yet to find something that I thought would be cute enough, adorable enough, strong enough to actually enjoy playing as a kobold. And I felt like the clockwork soul sorcerer kind of worked in my mind. Hold on, what's the Pokemon that wears the skull on its head? A Q-bound. Is that a kobold? Close enough, maybe. Yeah, his mom was a... Uh... He's wearing the skull of his dead mom, but yeah. that's fine. Well, Jesus, that got dark. You don't realize how dark this gets? No. Why is she dark? Why do you think he's so sad? He's wearing the skull of his dead mom. So every Q-bone that is caught, his mother is dead. I literally was just trying to be a part of the anime conversation. No. I give up. Fuck it. All right. (laughs) Pokemon is dark as hell. I thought we found a cute kobold for- Ash is strong as shit in Pokemon. Some of the Pokemon weigh hundreds of kilograms. And he just holds like it's nobody's business. Just carries them. Just carries them. You're he like chucks a fire or a telephone pole at someone. What kind of Pokemon is Ash? Uh, I would say he's like part Mew. If I'm gonna have to say anything, because he did get killed by Mew and Mewtwo during their battle. Mm, so absorbed some of his ability. Yeah. And then they brought him back with Pikachu tears. Pulled the stone, Pikachu tears, whole nine yards. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two thousand Pokemon movie. Yeah, all right. Anyways, let me get back to the Pokemon that I built. <laughs> Um, so a clockwork soul sorcerer cobalt and the, re- and like, so how they get their abilities, because obviously with sorcerers, it is either just like an intervention of random magics or they're born with it X, Y, Z. Um, this would just be the classic, like cobalt belonging to some dragon of some sort in its hoard and it's like treasuries finds a clock of magical capabilities and then all of a sudden becomes very sentient and aware of it and like develops an intelligence because it is carrying this clock around with it. However, being slowly driven crazy by the fact that it is constantly ticking. (laughs) So, and everywhere this, this guy, little goat, little dude goes like, there's just a constant clock sound all the time. So I feel like eventually if you were to be in a group of adventurers, this would eventually become annoying. And I would love to play this in a game where sanity was a score. Fuck, could you imagine this on a Kenku? Oh my god. The Have only you... thing they can do is make clock noises. Yeah. Jesus. That'd be really cool. I love that. But yeah, so I just thought that would be really cute because then it like it's like oh, I'm intelligent. I understand why I don't really want to belong to this dragon anymore. So he runs away with this clock, and well, then there's a dragon that is constantly hunting this, this kobold this... for taking this clock. The other thing that I like too is that your kobold could lean into the artificer if you were going to multi-class mm. because they're very much into the trap building and that kind of stuff. Uh, build the and absolutely. then you lean into the clockwork soul from there. Exactly. So they're all about. 
the the mechanics of how things work. Yeah, like they're now obsessed with how this clock works. So they just find other random clocks to see why this one is special versus other clocks. They're collecting. So you never really know which one's the magic clock. Just has hundreds of clocks around him. I love it. And has he lost track? Of, t- of, <laughs> uh, of, of which clock He it does is. not know which clock it is either. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon's out give me the clock. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. Take them all, please. Would you like to buy a sundial? I yeah. <laughs> For my build, I went with the Seder, which is the plus two charisma. Yeah. And gets you a dex bonus as well. And them being part fae creatures, I imagine them collecting gear parts, clocks as well, all these little odds and ends of shiny mechana. And I believe that for their magic, like what their clockwork soul magic looks like when it activates, they get the clock hands in their eyes. Mm-hmm. I liked that. But in just one eye, not in both. No. So they generally, as they go, would level up, they'd wear an eye patch over that eye. So they can cast magic in public without everyone seeing they are casting magic in public. That's pretty cool. Very flavorful. I like it. Is an eye patch an anime thing too? I feel like that's an anime thing. Uh, absolutely. Eye I patch mean, is it's also a pirate thing. It's a pirate so. thing. It's it's a Naruto thing. They have the Sharingan. Like. It's an aesthetic <laughs> thing at this point. Okay. <laughs> it's all of the above. But the crawling in the eyes, that's an anime thing. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Does anybody have any final thoughts? About sorcerers, how do we feel about them after all this? In Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the two um, classes that I've seen that got the biggest and best improvements were the ranger, finally, and the sorcerer. Yeah. And I'm so happy about it. As we continue to go through these sorcerer sub or these Tasha's subclasses, we'll see how well the other ones fare. But I'm really happy with this. Yeah, as a ded- fairly dedicated sorcerer, I'm a big fan of these changes overall. Are you going to approach your DMs about getting expended spell lists now? I've been playing the Shadow in my la- other campaign, which is one of the ones that also got a bunch of improvements. Not to this level, yeah. but yeah. I am going to ask about the variant for metamagic. Yeah, We're call. still relatively low level, so it's not that big a deal yet. But once things get higher, I would love to be able to switch up my metamagics. Let me change my meta magics. I have never in my life thought of playing a sorcerer, ever. I've never played one, never thought about it until like trying to build and create something, you know, for our cohort today. And I kind of want to do it. Better blast. Like, it just seems a lot more interesting because like I've always played characters that had a religious tie into the fact that they have their magic capabilities. You can just say paladins. You can just say that you always play paladins. Paladins, wizards, warlocks, all of it. There's some kind of deity involved in Mm -hmm. what happens. I love the idea that it is someone who has an innate magical capability and they're exploring it. I never really thought of it that way until I started reading more into them. Um, I just thought of it as like, oh, they have magic. How great for them. How dope. Good for you. Good for you. I've always seen them as warlocks that haven't sold their soul. Yeah. At the end of the day, you got your magic from some great other. Yeah. Similar to warlocks, but you didn't have to give up anything for it. You don't have to do anything for it. Someone else did something for it. Probably your bard uncle, but that's a different story. <laughs> Look, your great grandma banged a gin, and here we are here today. We are. today yeah. You are now. You wanted magic. to hear about your history, and now you've yeah. heard it. <laughs> so, You're welcome. Yeah. Don't sorry. Use clairvoyance next time. Not sorry. <laughs> Awesome. So that's all for this discussion on sorcerers for now. Uh, We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. 
Next week, we'll be exploring the Underdark and digging up as much dirt as we can on the Mind Flayers and Elder Brains. Yay. Yay. Speaking of aberrant shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donation button on our website at itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we are available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, as well as many podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This week we got anime. Anime! Oh, yeah. I've got the power of God and anime on my side. You're not playing paladins. <laughs> you don't. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. All right, we have Sorcerer's Origins now for dragons, aberrations, constructs, and celestials. What kind of creature type do you guys think should be next? Giants. <laughs> no, no, the Rune Knight for fighters was actually really cool. Yeah. So, James, any... I don't even really know the... The, the creature types? Creature types. There's, there's aberrations. I mean, there's beasts, but I hardly think that counts. Humanoids don't count. Um, Could you do undead? An undead, yeah, you could do an undead yeah, flavor. You could do an undead. Got, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. There's monstrosities. There's oozes. That's what. That's it. I want an ooze sorcerer. An, an ooze. Playable race ooze. That <laughs> yeah, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. I enjoy some of the beast race, like the bear. Playable bears, like just a straight sentient bear as Dope. a monk. Sir Barrington. Uh, Bruce it. Barrington was his name. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> Brutus. James, you're first. It's beginner's luck. That's what's happening here. Oh, That's yeah. exactly how that goes. I guess I didn't make a build for this one yet. Oh, James, you rolled so low. I'm going first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? yeah? Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.